the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody, and Merry Christmas episode 144 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, and with me, like every week, is the Ross Bray of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. And we're going to talk about some of the big news uh, from MMA. We're going to look back at last week's UFC Winnipeg card. Obviously, it was a UFC on Fox card uh, with Robbie Lawler versus Rafael Dos Anjos uh, headlining and a lot of other fights in that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to look back at uh, Bam as well, who put on a, a good card last week. Reese McKee was on that. Aaron Chalmers and a, a couple more fights on that we'll talk about. Uh, Dean Colby Covington, uh, we'll talk a little bit about him. Uh, as well, uh, Will Flory fought over the weekend over in the UFC Africa. We talk about that, uh, as did Philip Mulpeter. The Honey Badger coming back off of, uh, uh, was it three years out? Uh, we'll get to that anyway. And we look forward as well to UFC 219, obviously. Uh, next week is going to be Christmas Day, uh, so we, we won't be around next week. So we'll give you two weeks' worth of a podcast in one here. And we look forward to, to UFC 219. We'll also answer your questions at the end. If you want to get in touch with us, I'm at Sean Sheehan, BA, at Severe Pod on Twitter. You can send in your questions for the next couple the uh, severe man podcast gmail.com you can follow graham as well uh, at severe man graham our things yeah i'd just like to apologize for sean's uh, slur there of uh, merry christmas it's a uh, happy holidays we did this last week you you already pulled this tro- did we? yeah i think you did i think you pulled this troll i didn't i didn't learn yeah sorry many many people i, I apologize for all the triggered <laughs> people out there it's sorry happy holidays oh, in disregard for other humans and their feelings they need safe spaces to go to now <laughs> I'm, I usually don't give a shit about those things, but the, the Christmas one really gets to me. I was like, like people like it, that holiday is there because people believe in Christ and going to the manger and all that shit. Like, oh, let them, no, if they want to believe that, let them. not learn from Kobe Covington. No spoilers on the oh. Bible. Jesus, <laughs> I haven't read that book yet. Pretty, actually, come on. Let's let's talk about Kobe Covington first, actually, before we get to the before we get to the fight. So, <laughs> what did you think of that that whole Star Wars spoiler thing? It was absolutely hilarious, wasn't? And it we was, won't spoil it for all of you nerds listening here. So, if I was a big Star Wars nerd, I could I could see why uh, people were very annoyed on Twitter. But uh, I, I like if he's gonna commit to the the stick of being this guy, then fair play to him. Uh, he did a really good job, and he, everybody was talking about him. So, um, for him, yeah, job done. For all the other people, um. Yeah, people who are quote tweeting it, you know, being like, "Oh, this is a, mm-hmm. this is a terrible thing to do," and quote tweeting it, you're doing the exact same thing he did. So uh, it was kind of funny in that way yeah. as well. And I think uh, a lot of people who quote tweeted it lost a lot of followers. Yeah, quoting it was actually worse than him tweeting it himself because he he's trying to be a dickhead. Like that that's his spin. And if you're quote tweeting it, you're just trying to get some of you know some of his fall off tweets and stuff. And you thought you'd get good tweets, but then you get really bad tweets, and it just doesn't work out for you yeah. at all. But I thought and this if was... you follow Kobe, then you're kind of you're kind of asking for trouble in a lot of ways. So you kind of yeah. it's part of your fault. But if you follow one of the journalists or media members who, uh, or even fans who quote tweeted it, then you'd be probably more pissed off, nearly. Yeah, uh, I thought it was the funniest thing he's done yet, to be honest, because that that's what he's trying to do. And when he does that, well, he's trying to piss people off. He's trying to make people hate him. And like, I, I, like we've spoken about him on the podcast before, almost all of what he's done has been very see-through uh, and uh, you know hasn't really worked. And you know, not many people have got like if the people who have got mad are kind of like 
those people who get mad at like when you say Christmas, like you'll get mad at anything. But this, this does actually like genuine madness from from people who wouldn't normally get mad at stuff because he did ruin the film. And in it was in the very first sentence as well of the tweet, which made it absolutely, absolutely hilarious. My brother Patrick loves Star Wars, and uh, he, he came in. And I was like, oh, did you see what called me? He's like, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. Don't say it! Don't say it! I was like, okay, I'm not gonna say it. He ruined the fucking film for loads of people. He's a prick. I was looking at the replies; they were fucking hilarious. Oh, even the, was, was it the first day that it came out as well, so we must have went to see the movie uh, straight yeah. away, just so we could ruin it for everybody. Like that's fair play to. It was uh, it was a tough class troll. In fairness, absolutely yeah, brilliant. Commit to the troll and commit to it, and yeah. he, he committed. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> like you can uh, you feel for the people, all right, who got the movie ruined them. But yeah, you have to appreciate the brilliance of the man for what he for what he actually did. Like and the, like the, the still the big problem that remains with Colby is the fighting isn't there. Like he could do as much trolling, get as many people to hate him as he wants. Well, like, well, not not everybody can be the the very best. Like you know, he's beaten people like Damian Maya there. I know it was a he didn't look great on the feet, and he looked he looked uncomfortable against somebody who's not known for for striking. But like Damian Maya is a really high level guy who was very hard to beat and was on a big streak before he lost uh, the title shot. So like, if you're gonna stick around, he's gonna stick around the top 10, 15 for a good few years. Kobe Covington, not not everybody can be the best. So I think I think he's a good character and a a, a good heel, as the pro wrestling people would say, uh, for years to come. Yeah, but when you build like heat like that, which is hatred heat, you you have to keep winning because the second you lose, people just stop giving a shit about you. You know, it's different. What about people like Jack and stuff though as well? They did it for years. Yeah, but it, it was different to them. The people kind of knew they were like little bits of dickheads and stuff. And Chael was very funny when he did. It. Like Koscheck was someone you could laugh at as well because he was a bit embarrassing when he was doing the stuff with GSP. You know, like, oh, he was a bit cringy, but like. Colby's a bit full on, I think, and it's been done so many times before. Like when Koscheck was doing it, how many people were actually doing? It? Like not that many. When Chael was doing it, nobody had done what he he had done. Now everyone is trying to do it. You know, everyone has their little bit of shtick, little bit of gimmick. Realize that pro wrestling actually works, uh, and I, I really do think if he loses, like it's it's just going to be like so bad for him. And losing losing could help him in the short term a bit because people will attack him and he's like following and growing people hear about it but after that i think it'll wear off a little bit yeah well i actually i, I like him i know a lot of people are uh really pissed off at him so that's that's good he's either people like him or they they hate him so he, he's for a guy who hasn't really you know as you say his he he's, hasn't really shown his fighting ability to be top level even though he's beaten damien maya which is obviously a, a huge win it was just kind of more of a not more of a, a good star matchup but it was partially due to being a good star matchup but for a guy in, in that position who's beaten the guys he has, he's much more well known than than if he kept his mouth shut. So, he, if when his contract comes around, he might get a bit more money. He might be at the top of cards he, where you get you have a better chance of getting bonuses and stuff. So, fair play to him. Stick yeah. to it. If you're gonna commit to it, commit to it. Yeah, well, true. And his look—he's us talking about him in the at the top of the podcast. And we're doing two weeks stuff on the biggest cards of the years coming up. A big card was happened last week, so. He's, you know it's working for him. Fair play to him. I, I'm not. I'm not one of the ones that really hate him or love him. I'm kind of. I. I I'm. I, I like when he does funny stuff like this, and I get mad at him. I'm, I wouldn't get mad at him, but I'm like call him out or whatever. And when he does stupid shit, uh. But 
oh, I don't I don't really have a huge opinion. There's just too many things to have huge opinions on in MMA these days, and I'm kind of not bothered with things like this, kind of go over it. But um, yeah, let, let's get on to actual welterweight fights rather than welterweight itself. And Winnipeg was the uh, the venue for UFC and Fox. Robbie Lawler fighting outside of uh, America for the first time. We, we spoke about this a bit and you said that you know you you mightn't be 100 percent sure if robbie was robbie lawler of old you said you weren't impressed with the the cerrone uh performance i kind of i didn't it wasn't that i disagreed as i wanted to see more evidence of that and i think you you were kind of proven right would you agree with that uh yeah i think uh, I, um it kind of looked like similar to how i thought like robbie or sorry not robbie uh rafael Sanios is kind of He's relentless, like he just and he's. <clears throat> although he's fought at lightweight for years and been the champion there, he's not that small of a welterweight. So I, I didn't think that was going to be a, that big of a problem. And I think, as you say, the Cerrone fight will. Uh, I don't think Robbie Lawler looked himself uh, since coming off that that his losing his title in dramatic fashion, getting knocked out by uh, Tyrone Woodley. So it's been a bad stretch for for Ordia, even though it was a short stretch. And he did get the decision over over Cerrone, but as as me and you have kind of talked a lot in the past, we're not really as big a f- uh, fan of uh, Cerrone's abilities as as a lot of people are. So uh, yeah, it kind of looked a very similar to to, to how I thought it would look. Bar the kind of Robbie Lawler injuring his leg, I didn't really factor that in. But that was due to the pressure and the the mixing it up of, of Rafael Desanos by the by the looks of things. And by the end of the fight, I think Robbie Lawler was a bit broken. Nearly he didn't even go for it at the end which is very very unlike him he just knew he was about to lose and he his leg wasn't under him so he he didn't he didn't risk it uh maybe he couldn't we don't know how bad his, his leg or knee was whatever but uh it was it was kind of weird seeing robbie lauder just waiting for the end bell at the end of the fifth round and not pouring everything out i think he has a statistic of uh his output is actually more in the fifth round than in rounds before in several title fights so that definitely wasn't the case here i think uh I think it looked in the second round, I think it was, when Rafael Desanis must have, must have thrown about 30-odd punches uh, combo in a row. A lot of them didn't land, but it was a, a lot of them did. And I thought maybe RDA might, might gas out, but he, he managed to get a second wind after looking a little bit tired after it. And he just dominated the fight pretty much the whole way through, and I gave him every round. Yeah, for me, this fight was really a combination of great work by Dos Anjos and Robbie Lawler just not being the same as what he used to be. You know, you mentioned there, Dos Anjos, the second round, came on strong, looked to have punched himself out. And usually, uh, you know, after that, Robbie Lawler survived all those shots. At the end of the second round, he looked good. He looked he looked the less tired person at the beginning of the third and he just couldn't kick on. And in in past fights, he could have done that. He's done it before. We've you know we've seen him against you know uh, against the likes of Rory McDonald late in fights, um, Johnny Hendricks, and uh, you know most of his title fights, he's done it that way. And he just couldn't do it this time. Uh, and I think the reason for that was a lot of those Anjos, but Robbie Lauder just didn't seem to be coming forward the way he normally does, didn't seem to be able to get the front foot, win the hand-fighting battle. Dos Anjos was fighting at uh, a longer range, using his uh, using his leg kicks, obviously, very well, uh, using his left hook as well, although Lawler was Lawler was, uh, was rolling with that an awful lot. Uh, but found most impressive really was what the Sanyos did at the beginning of the third as you mentioned there you know he landed or he threw 30-40 shots at the end of the second at a high clip and you know maybe landed only four or five but he threw a lot of them he looked really really tired uh, and at the very beginning of the third round he got that takedown and 
laid on Lawler for maybe 90 seconds, two minutes or on that. So he has three, three and a half, four minutes in, you know, five or six minutes resting, but, you know, with the, the, the rest between rounds as well to get his air back after that. And that was absolutely huge. And I think that's something maybe the Sanyas mightn't have done before. He might have gone all out for it. You know, we, we know his cardio is unbelievably good. Uh, we've seen that down through the years. And I, I think this really helped him we we know how much put you know how much effort putting on extra weight uh takes and how much you know you how how you can't keep going you know we've seen it with mcgregor we've seen it with gsp you know obviously dos años uh, as you mentioned there isn't that hasn't that big amount of weight to put on he's you know he's he's a welterweight genuinely or, or a little maybe a tweener between welterweight and lightweight and the fact that he was able to get that rest and keep going into the into the last round was absolutely huge but as i said the base was the leg kicks for that absolutely tore up the legs uh, of Lawler early. And, and once he got that win back, he, he just took it from Lawler and, and there was really no way back from him after that then. Yeah, I think part of the reason, he, uh, Lawler's uh, usually got a really high level takedown defense in wrestling, but I think part of the reason he was able to, or the A was able to take him down uh, at, nearly at will was the injury or the damage to the leg. So uh, it was a really good game plan, mixing it up from RDA and, and keeping him guessing and, uh, he executed the game plan really well, which he is known to do, especially in in um, recent years. Like Cordier had a rocky start when he came to the UFC, but he's he's much higher fight IQ than he did back then. He's he's much better, stronger. He's just better all around. He's evolving even even still. It seems. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like I I think people may have overestimated. You know, his his move between lightweight and and welterweight he's definitely still improving as a fighter and everything but he was a very good fighter lightweight as well he was the lightweight champion of the world he just got you know he got beaten by by the eddie alvarez obviously lost out in that huge mcgregor fight and that that would have hurt him hugely you know the biggest payday of his career but he's done obviously well to very very well to bounce back from that uh at a weight up there was definitely questions still to answer at welterweight and i think he's he's answered now against someone big like robbie lawler yeah, so how do you how do you how do you see him? What do you see him doing next? How do you see him matching up if he was to fight Woodley? Uh, it's a tough one. I think Woodley's, I think Woodley's power would be a little bit too much for him. But I was talking to to Patrick Forners, our uh, severe snippet guy, yeah, last night, and my my thought on uh, I was talking about it a few months ago as well, maybe after Dasanius's last fight. Dasanius won't leave us wondering. You know, he he won't leave us wondering. He he won't be like uh, Wonder Boy Thompson. It won't be like Maya, where they're standing around for five rounds, and it, after those fights, it's like, what if? That's it. Dosanios won't do that. Dosanios will go for him. He will go. Uh, he he'll go straight in with those left hands. He'll try to land cam combinations. He won't let Woodley lean up against the fence for five rounds. He will go for it. You know, he might that might get him knocked out, but I I do think he will go for it. He you know. He gets by a big right hand early, it might change changes uh, his uh, fast moving kind of pressure game pushing forward. It, like people seem to, to have a game plan against Woodley, they get hit with a big shot, and then it kind of turns into Woodley's game plan. Maybe, but I think I do think he's a good counter fighter as well. You know, we've seen him uh, land a lot of those left hand counters, and uh, someone like Thompson is a very good countering fighter as well. But he wants to, you know, he wants big movements to counter. I think Woodley or uh, Dasanios can do it inside as well as doing it from the long range the maya can't do that you know maya wants to get takedowns and that that's really all he can do he doesn't have any boxing game as such i think dosanios can use the clinch as well we saw last night his clinch game is very good i think woodley would definitely be better in the clinch as well 
I think he's he's better boxing than Woodley. It's just Woodley is too powerful. But I do think it'll be a good fight. I think it's a good uh, Styles matchup. But with Tyron Woodley, there's always the possibility. Like there's there's just always the possibility. It's a terrible fight because that's just the way he fights now. He's just a safe fighter. You know, we people people talk about GSP for years and years and years being a safe fighter. But I think GSP did his utmost to win fights. You know, he tried to take guys down. You know, he he was never waiting back like Tyron Woodley waits back and just doing absolutely nothing. I think he was doing all he could to win those rounds. Maybe not to get the finishes all the time, but uh, I just, uh, there's always a possibility with Woodley. But I think it does have the makings of a, a good style matchup. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see it. Mm-hmm, me too. Uh, what do you do? What do you think is next for uh, Dosanius? Obviously, Woodley. It looks like he's going to be getting shoulder surgery. You know, uh, he's going to be out for a while. Uh, there was, um, you know, there was a for Santiago Ponzinibbio. Obviously, fall last night. We'll get to that in a second as well. Uh, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of other good guys. Darren Till is there as well. Cameron Usman is fighting Emil Mech next week. Colby Covington is there, who we spoke about. Uh, who do you think should be next for match? Is he? Huh? The Wonder Boy matched. He's not, no, but I think he's out until March or something, so that might be perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense, wouldn't it? Time-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that fight makes sense. That'd be the fight I'd probably make because you have the likes of Covington as well. Like, if they made someone like Covington versus Ponzinibbio as well, I think that'd make make perfect sense because, you know, if Dos Anjos does lose to Wonderboy, then you can put the winner of Covington versus Ponzinibbio in, or if Dos Anjos beats Wonderboy, I think he's the obvious choice for the next title shot. Yeah, what do you do with Till, though? I don't like I don't like matching Usman and Till up just because they're both kind of massive prospects. I don't think the UFC would want to do that either. I think we got a little bit carried away with Till. I think he's a very, very good fighter, but he's, what, he's only one real win over, over a big fighter, and that's Donald Cerrone, who's not that good you know he's a he's a lightweight blown up to to fight a welterweight and uh, he's just not that good like i i think there's a lot i think darren till needs to do a good a, a good bit more I, I i still i want to see that Usman fight i think it'd be good you know i'd love to see darren till against carlos condit obviously we're going to talk about carlos soon he's fighting next week and maybe if that can get made early for next year i think that'd be a fantastic fight at the moment till is ranked seven condit ranked eight so that that kind of makes sense for me but yeah there's I, I I don't I don't think Till is in the the, the top title range yet. To I be think honest, you do you, you do either kind of like a Ponzinibbio kind of maybe Masvidal or or Condit, as you said, um, may, maybe give Usman to Maya. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, could, I could see that happening as well. But there's there's, there's, lot, there's just so many matches to make there. Yeah. yeah. Who? Exactly, yeah. well, a couple of people asked me about Gunnar Nelson while we're on here. Obviously, you know the SPG trained fighter. It's hard to know what Gunnar's going to get next. I'd love to see him fight someone like Condit or, or fight someone like Cerrone. The Kim fight kind of makes sense to me. Maybe um, they were supposed yeah. to fight before. I like the Cerrone fight actually. Uh, I, I, I don't think we ever mentioned it, but uh, Gunnar did an interview. Uh, I think it was a PC, was it? Where he said it, that he. Um... That he took uh, a good few months off just after getting knocked out by Ponzinibbio. So no, that's good to know that, like, uh, you see people like um, Bisbing coming back too quickly, and we we say, "Oh, what are they doing?" So it's good guys being sensible and not rushing back and making sure that their brain is ready to go and that they're not they're not just taking fights because they want to get back in there and avenge a loss when they're when they shouldn't be. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's very smart. Looking forward to, to him coming back next next year. Like, he he's not too far away from there either. There's there's Hold a on, lot. Of guys... The Eros is ranked fifteen apparently at welterweight. I just opened up the rankings mm-hmm. there. Watch yes. 
the the welterweight rankings are a bit mad, but there, there's so All many the good guys <laughs> yeah, there. There's so many good guys around there at welterweight as well that they have to get matched up. You know, they can't all be matched against each other. So there's there's an opportunity for a guy like Gunnar Nelson to get in there and get a fight. Maybe even like a Robbie Law or a Masvidal, like someone like that, uh, or a Mike Mike Perry is obviously not ranked yet, but someone like that. They, you know, there's possible. There's a lot of guys coming off losses like he is as well. So you know, it's it's an interest. The matchmaking welterweight is going to be very very interesting. Now I I, I could even see him. Do you remember they had like a, an all heavyweight main card there before? They, they could do that a welterweight now. There's so many fights that should be made for like February, March time. I think it'd be a, maybe a good opportunity to do something like that. Yeah. But um, we shall see. Speaking of heavyweights, let's talk about... A quick thing on the rankings. Um, yeah. Calvin Cotter, the Boston finisher, is ranked number 15 at featherweight apparently, according to these uh, people voting on the rankings. I don't even know who that is. Who is he? Yeah, what, what he had do? one fight in the UFC and he won a decision over Andre Feely. And now he's ranked 15, apparently. God, I I vaguely, vaguely remember that. Like, I, I don't understand how people remember all these stuff. Like that Julian Marquez guy last night who who put on a good effort. He was in the Dana White Tuesday night series. He beat Phil Hawes. Like, I, I, when you remind me of that, yeah, I know Phil Hawes got knocked out. I, I could not have told you in a million years who that man was, who knocked him out, what his name was. I couldn't have picked him out up, you know, of a lineup of people. Like... I, I don't know how people are expected to notice. Like, we cover MMA, we talk about MMA for an hour and a half every week, look through all the cards, and we still can't remember people like that. Like, how are fans supposed to remember people? Like, he, he, he did well to actually stand out last night after this. It's funny because he the whole beer thing with Tyron Woodley and thing was a bit funny, but it's just impossible for, for us to know all these people. These are just too much going on, isn't there? Yeah, you might remember somebody like that who's in an absolute back and forth kind of brawl, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of goes on and he's he's you think he's he's doing a cringy interview where he's calling out Woodley and but he's actually not he's calling out his beard which is which is funny so yeah you might remember somebody like that but how many hundreds of guys come through they just have a decision and then on a fight pass prelim and they, they don't get interviewed and you don't see any interview interviews with them afterwards and you don't hear about them for another six months until the, until the UFC match them again you know it's it's it is tough to keep up and people these people doing the rankings like when you actually look at the people who are doing the rankings i haven't heard of nearly all of them and there's only about 15 people doing it and people from like uh cherokee scout and uh burbank leader and valued value sport and bursack sprack like these websites i've never even heard of severemed.com well, no, we're not actually doing the. I know nobody, nobody that you actually would would like if they want people to do proper rankings, it would take a, a lot of effort to go through all these fights and all these fighters and actually make a good list. It's even I remember when we used to do the severe MMA Irish rankings, it was so hard even with the limited pool of Irish guys to to get everybody and to get them in the right order, and it's 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 very difficult. Yeah, when I was working with Fight Boot as well, this was years ago. How long was that? Like five or six years ago, the, when they first came out. Uh, I think the lads like emailed them and said that one of us to do them is like I'd even do them or whatever. And they were they like email back like, oh no, we have a select amount of people we're we're getting to do it. So like, people are actually covering the sport. They they didn't seem to want to get them to do it, and they like to have these people with no idea, like Shock Jock radio hosts doing it. It's, yeah, it's really weird. But I suppose that's that's a talk for another day. Uh, Pontinibio, before we, we get on to the other fights, we obviously spoke about him there. What, that fight against uh, against Mike Perry, I, I thought it was, I thought it wasn't, I thought it wasn't a good display at all from Pontinibio early. I, I actually thought it took Perry kind of hitting up his nose a little bit and, and getting him bleeding to get him going. 
Ponzinibbio is not a guy who who fights in long range and goes out there with a uh, you know a, a game plan to, to fight at range like that. And I t- I think it was Crooklyn mentioned it uh, about Alan Joban beating Perry that way and Ponzinibbio was trying to do it the same way. Like that's that's not how he is. Like Ponzinibbio, you need to go forward. You you've better head movement. You've harder striking than Mike Perry. Like take him on in that realm and beat him there. Like you could have made an absolute. You know, a name for yourself, knocking him out in the first round against someone who's limited, like Mike Perry. Although Perry is improving, I have to give it to him. Uh, like I, I, I've been a kind of a critic of Mike Perry, I just don't think he's that good. But he is improving, and he's still very relatively young in this sport. And give him, you know, give him a while. I saw a few people saying as well last night, and, and I definitely agree that he is definitely improving. And and I think if if Ponzinibbio fought like he did last night in a year's time against Perry, I think he'd end up probably losing. But um. Yeah, I, I wasn't that impressed at all with Ponzinibbio last night. Although I have been in the past, uh, but it, you know it was it was an interesting fight when he did go forward. You know, used his head movement. Um, he started landing big shots on Mike Perry, and uh, I mean, I tweeted it last night. Perry is an all-time great chin, and he needs it because he takes so many shots. And he, you know, he took a, lot, a, a, a kick or two, took a lot of big right hands, uh, and he kept going and fair play to him. But uh, I think in the end, Pontinibio did uh, did enough to win the the second and third round. Yeah, I thought he. Yeah, as you said, I thought Pontinibio started off really slowly. He he couldn't find his range in the first round, and he looked a bit tentative. He looked very tentative on the feet actually. And um, I think when they were both fresh at the very start of the fight, I think Perry looked like he was getting the better of the strike, and even if it was marginal and very tentative on kind of both sides. But uh, yeah, Pontinibio kind of figured it out and uh, and took over the fight, and I thought he clearly won two and three. So yeah, fair play to him. Uh, he had he didn't have his best performance, but he still managed to get the win. So maybe that's the sign of a. Maybe that's a fight he would have lost a few years ago when he when he had a bit of suspect wrestling defense. He might have gotten taken down a bit easier and gr- might have lost a twenty nine twenty eight instead of winning a twenty nine twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, what next for him? I like I like the Colby Covington fight. Yeah, yeah. As we were kind of saying a, a minute ago, there's there's a lot of ways you could go with the welterweight division. There's a lot of choice there, so it's it's good problems to have for for Mick Maynard and John Shelby, the matchmakers. Yeah. Dos Anjos another possibility as well. Like obviously the the whole Brazil versus Argentina thing, you could definitely do that down in down in Brazil. And you know that'd be the timing kind of lines up. They like they they like putting guys on the on the or matching guys up that have been fighting previously at similar or the same card or similar time to the to the card or on the same card. Mm-hmm. I think Perry versus Masvidal as well makes a lot of sense. I think that'd be a very good fight. Both of them obviously now coming off of losses, uh, and and you know. I don't think Masvidal. I think is ranked what number in in the top ten or top fifteen. Anyway, I think he's no business yeah. being ranked there. I think Perry is. It's, yeah, go on. Is Cerrone gotten to fifty five or was that was he talking about that or or was he saying he was going to go back down to fifty five or? Yeah, he was saying that. All right, but you'd never know. I suppose I'd say. If he offered uh, yeah. Perry fight, he'd probably take it as well. So he's yeah. another option. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Josh Emmett then uh, obviously missed weight coming into this fight. The the team alpha male guy um, against Ricardo Lamas got the knockout at 4.33 of the very first round with an absolutely beautiful left hook. Lamas came in to, to land a, a right low kick, uh, landed it, but he's just he went for the left hook himself after that then. Uh, Emmett threw the right, then came with the left and landed absolutely flush, and it was rad, R- Ricardo Lamas sleep after that, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say uh, the the Fox the Fox executives and producers were loving Daniel Cormier's commentary on the slow mo of uh, his head yeah. bouncing off the canvas. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. 
the weirdest thing about that was he, he like he wrote it one two three i was like what's he talking about and then they showed the other angle he's like oh look his head bouncing off the canvas like, oh so you you're not only going to say this once and count it you're going to show a replay again of his head bouncing onto the canvas just god that was that was a bit weird i do i love daniel cormier writing on the the thing though right like showing little clips roaring paws at the lads in the truck I think that's absolutely brilliant. I think Carmia is improving enough. I gave him a little bit of stick there a while back. Uh, but I, I do think he's improving. I, I like him one-on-one with, with Anik and with, with other people as well. But yeah, that was... I remember kind of the Fox, when UFC first went on Fox and uh, had the UFC on Fox shows, They the people used to run into the cage between fights that were bloody and clean the, clean the cage. So they were kind of... I think they're wary about how violent it can be perceived, the MMA. So I don't think... I don't think that was a uh, really gr- great from Cormier in, in in that way, but it was a it was a serious serious vicious knockout and mm-hmm. a big upset as well because like uh, Ricardo Lamas has kind of been a he's been a perennial top ten guy for for a good few years. He's he's kind of fought the best and he he's he's had a few knockouts now at this stage, but uh, I don't think Emmett's really known for his knockouts. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a shock there. Having said that, he's kind of a bit of a Cub Swanson kind of guy where he's kind of the division has been thin for a lot of years and he's been kind of working his way up towards uh title title eliminator fights and he did have a fight with Aldo for the title. I don't know if he actually deserved that at the time, but I don't think he's as good as uh as a lot of people think he is. I don't think he's as bad as a lot of people think he is, to be honest. Although he might be a little bit past his his best now. I think he was a, he was always a pretty good fighter, but never a, a very a great fighter. The weird thing about this was Emmett missed weight and it was his first fight down at, at Featherweight. And he looked way, way bigger than Ricardo Lamas in here. And, you know, I think he took this. Obviously, he did take it on short notice. But this, this is supposed to be Jose Aldo uh, against Ricardo Lamas. And obviously, Aldo took the uh, Holloway fight after uh, Frank Edgar again pulled out of a, a title fight uh, through injury. So it, you have to feel sorry for Lamas here. And it, it tends a little bit for him. You know, sometimes... You, you see guys coming down, you know, they might miss by pounders or make a mistake and look, it doesn't take much away from their win, you know, you know, it was a mistake. But this one, you know, when you miss it by what, three and a half pounds, two and a half pounds with the with the extra pound after your you know, your first time coming down, it's a bit weird. It was talk of a talk of a rematch. I wouldn't uh, usually I wouldn't want to see it, but I wouldn't mind here. I think Lamas was it, I wasn't a few months off, you know it though, wouldn't he, after that? Like. That, that that is true. Yeah, it it actually wasn't a great fight up until Till the knockout, there wasn't really much happening. I, you know, I don't don't think either guy was really getting to it. I think Lamas was might have been slightly winning. I have to watch it back again, again. But yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was a bit. It was an unbelievable knockout. And there's just something special about left hook knockouts. I've always loved them. You know, Rampage against Wanderlei. You know, McGregor against. There's something special about left hook knockouts. I think they're just they're just brilliant. They always seem to catch lads cold and absolutely knock them, knock them silly. But uh, yeah, impressive stuff from Josh Emmett and he's definitely one in, in that change in featherweight division that uh, if he can make weight, he could, uh, he could cause some problems to people. Yeah. Well, what do you think about the, the taking the, taking the fight with the 20% of, of barely any money? Um, Tim Elliott had a similar situation with Pedro Menga coming in on short notice and missing weight and he didn't take the fight. He said, make the weight or, or I'm not fighting you. And, they offered him what a twenty percent, and he was like, "I'm not taking twenty percent of ten grand." Yeah, well, was Minga not sent to the hospital as well or something? Though, was did I not see that? Or he might have been. I just saw Tim Elliott tweeting that um, that Ricardo Lamas could have not taken the fight, but he would have. He would have ended up getting a lot of abuse for for pussying out, and he said, "Believe me, I've got a lot of that myself." 
Yeah, I think that might have been the situation I was talking about. Mingo, he was he came in in short notice as well, didn't he? And I, I, yeah. I, I think it was PZ said it that he was trying to go up to featherweight for a series of the Ultimate Fighter. And if you can't, I don't know. It's a weird one. You can't blame Elliot to be honest. If it was a big, you know, headlining fight or something like that, maybe he he would have taken it. But the fact it's well, a fight pass or a, a prelim fight on on a Fox card. As you said again, what would he got two grand? Like, uh, um, yeah, it's it's probably not worth it to be honest. And I think he's probably think right. definitely no blame on. I think if if the guy comes in and doesn't make the contracted weight, mm. then it's up to you. Like you you've fulfilled your part of the bargain and he hasn't. So if you want to, if you don't want to fight, then you don't get the fight. You obviously you're missing out on your own win bonus. So um, it's kind of you might just do it just for the for the money and because you put so much effort into the camp and the weight cut and all that, but. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you don't want to if you feel like the guy's trying to get an, an unfair advantage and you you're not going to let him put one over on you then I think that's well within your rights. Yeah, I agree. But I always find it weird when guys are like offended by other their opponent not making weight. I'd be like hoping the lads don't make weight so I'd get twenty percent of their purse. Like, oh yeah, what what difference is like a pound going to make or two pounds going to make? You know, it's, it's just if make. I actually really tries to get there, and if he doesn't do it, and just come mm. like six or seven pounds over and doesn't look that drained, you're just like yeah. taking the piss like. Yeah, that's fair enough as well, yeah. And I think, uh, I, I, what was Minga? I, I don't know, I, I haven't heard his weather or anything, so maybe it was a case like that where he, I think he was well over actually, wasn't he? So, yeah, you can't uh, you can't blame uh, Tim Elliott for that. Uh, Glover Teixeira against Misha Sarkinov. We basically yeah, called it. was a good call. Yeah, so, uh, it, 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 I thought Underrated grappling and wrestling, to, mm-hmm. even though he won by ground and pound, he... he uh, He's fishing for the rear naked choke and got the mount and got the back mount and pounded them out. Yeah, I, I thought Sarkinov looked absolutely brilliant on the feet until Glover managed to get clinched up and get the takedown and the and, and the TKO. I thought he looked just looked faster. Glover was playing a smart game though. He wasn't committing that much to it. He, he started landing one or two right hands or, or throwing them at least uh, as the fight went a minute or two in. But Sarkinov looked a lot faster. He looked a heavier puncher. Uh, but uh, Clover was just cuter, better wrestler, um, and and when the fight went to the ground, he just absolutely ate him up uh, for breakfast. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about it last week. Clover's one of the most underrated wrestlers. I think he's one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC. You know, when he is in form, uh, when he's on weight, uh, when he, you know, he, when he's in good shape, I think he's a very, very good fighter. Um, he is one of those guys, though, as well. That's probably never going to win a UFC UFC championship. While Daniel Cormier or John Jones are there, uh, you know, he got knocked out by by Gustafson as well. So you know, it's going to be tough for him. But uh, like, there, there isn't that many fights at at two or five. I'd have no problem seeing him versus Daniel Cormier. He should stay ready anyway. So if if anybody falls out of a title title fight with Dan Cormier, he can slot slot in. Yeah, and like Osmer as well was in in fucking jail there not too long ago he's a, doesn't even a court case coming up so if, if he gets you know if he gets out of it because of that or, or tr- put out of the fight because of that he, he you know he's the man he had he, he two and a half minutes of a fight here didn't t- it took maybe two or three punches it's not a you know it's not a bisping thing or anything there's still a good bit to go until that fight anyway so yeah i, I totally agree he definitely needs to, to stay in shape for that one or even try to get on that card uh, you know, against um, against someone else, and and get the fight with Cormier. I see uh, Jimmy Manuel call him out. That'd be a pretty good fight. Yeah, I definitely watched that. Yeah, uh, London they're talking about as well. Uh, but yeah, I think put him on the Cormier card. I think it's always good to have you know a, another big fight. Um, 
on on a on a title fight maybe to line them up uh, correctly even we saw with Dosanya Slaller and Ponzinibbio here you know they could get lined up next so it's it's always good uh on the undercard in not too much of note uh I thought it was the best performance of Jan Blackwich's UFC career to be honest I thought his his jab looked very good against a very athletic strong guy like Jared Canenier 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 I can't say his name um and, and a good performance won the, won the first two rounds. We mentioned Julian Marquez as well against Darren Stewart. A phenomenal fight. The ball has got a little bit tired. The British wrestling of Darren Stewart had had uh, Julian Marquez uh, on the back foot for a good while. Uh, but he came back and won with a Matthews-style front choke. Uh, Chad Laprise as well got a fantastic finish over uh, Galore Bufando, as did Nardine Taleb against uh, Danny Roberts. Uh, and John McDessie as well got a win. Alessio Di Cicero and Jordan Mean against Eric Silva. What what stood out to you in those fights? Chirico actually that that knee was was very nice. It was a very nice finish. Um, wasn't wasn't a great fight before that though. Um, Nordine Taleb's knockout of Danny Roberts was nice. I thought it was a good stoppage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Roberts protested, but he was all over the gaff and he was mm-hmm. trying to fight the ref and falling all over the place though. And uh, yeah, Jordan Mean against Eric Silva was a bit of a weird one to start the fight. I think would have been or start the card. It would have been a uh, would have thought it would have been higher up on the card, but uh, it, was a, it was a good win for Jordan Mean. Eric Silva, like he was kind of a pro, uh, prospect a few years ago, but he just he's gotten worse. He never really got better, and he's just gotten worse. Eric Silva will always be a prospect to me. Always, when he's fifty years old, he's still be a prospect. Remember, he was throwing them like jumping heel strikes. Where he's, somebody, I can't remember who was trying to take him down. Somebody Tekken was already sat on. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, that was very nice. Like that was a bit of kind of flair that he had, but he just doesn't have anymore. Yeah, I love the bit of Tekken already sat on. What about Gloria uh, Buffando as well? And this, this, this was a uh, answer- MVP impression. Yeah, answering the what, what would happen if MVP was in the in the uh, UFC? I think MVP would do it better. He's very patient, uh, MVP, and he's got a lot better cardio, I think, than Buffando. Seemed to tire very early. God, I love a bit of Gloria. Though. He was fun. Uh, he's brilliant to watch. Like until he gets taken down, just give him, give him someone who can't wrestle. Like just give him, give him a striker. I, I really want to see that. But uh, yeah, he's he's interesting to watch. Uh, anyway, right. Uh, let's let's move on. Bama last weekend as well. Um, pr- pretty another pretty good card there from Bama. Uh, Aaron Chalmers, obviously, we, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, the main event. Did did you see that? What way yeah. did you think? Um, yeah, it was very close. I wasn't <laughs> scoring it as I watched it, but um, for the I wasn't paying full attention to it. But I, I thought Scope had won, but I wouldn't be making any claims that if somebody's told me that Labou definitely won, I, I, I'd probably say, okay, you probably watched it closer than I did. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a relatively close one. All right, I thought I thought it was a pretty good standard. You know, a, a lot of Bama Bama fights are, and uh, you know, it was I, I thought the decision was was grand as well. Uh, Reese McKeon as well got another good finish here to to finish out what's been a, a tough enough year for him. Yeah, a lot of camps with no fights at the end of them, but it's good to to close out the year with a nice triangle in the first or was it the second round? Sorry, against uh, Cam's Ekpo, who who was four and one at the time. So yeah, that's a, it's a good return to the form after a bit of a up and down year for for Reece McKee. Um, it's, it, he he doesn't look out of place at one fifty five. He he can kind of jump between one forty five and one fifty five if he's finding it hard to get fights, which will open up a good few more opponents to him. So he shouldn't have the same problems next year as this year getting fights. Yeah, like he, I think he won Irish uh, the Irish prospect of the year last year in our awards, so she'll be coming up there in a couple of weeks again if I ever get my fucking ass in gear and, and start doing them and. This I, I obviously I think he's what one one and one this year I think um or, or something like yeah, that anyway so. so you know it's gonna be a big 2018 head I definitely think Reese is 
is still one of the top prospects of Ireland. And that next generation of guys is, is you know, is really coming through with the likes of him, Ryan Curtis, you know, Dylan Chuk, um, you know, uh, Franz Malambo and Patrick Wickstead and a few more guys like that. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously going to be a, a big year for those guys as well. And um, yeah, it was it, it was a good way to finish it out for for Reese, obviously. Uh, Aaron Chalmers. Yeah, sorry, just before Kurt, Kurt Warburton came back and got got a win, uh, first round t- uh, TKO from punches against Warren Key. So, yeah, there was talk that it was it was one last hurrah for Kurt Warburton. People were saying on Twitter, people, I don't know how, how reliable that is, and even if he was saying that before, uh, a first round TKO might change his mind. You know how MMA retirements go. That is very true. Has anyone ever retired from MMA? Proctor, though, as well. He he he's a big prospect. People are talking about. Uh, Eight and one now. He beat Nathan Bagantag Jones. Oh, really? A, yeah. So he he got the rear naked choke in the first round over him. Um, Nathan Jones has had a few good wins. Like he's 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 lost his last two now to Proctor and previously to Lahore. But uh, Lahore is obviously a very good fighter and the, the champion of that weight in in Bama. But he has a win uh, win in Dublin on the Duke and Wah Phil Pockard, I think it was over mm-hmm. Walter. Had, uh, Gadadza, who's, who was 16, 16 and 0 at the time, so uh, he's, he's no Morgan, and that was a, that was a very good win for Adam Proctor. Um, Did they show uh, Tom Hardy in that? They always show Tom Hardy when Nathan Jones is fine. He's like friends with him or something. No, I don't even know who that is. You don't know Tom Hardy? Your man, he was Bane in in. Uh, oh, okay, Batman. okay, yeah, no, I do know him actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, go on. Um, yeah, and uh, Fabian Edwards was on the card, but the stream was uh, certain crap newspaper owned by Rupert Murdoch w- was streaming it on their Facebook, and they uh, they missed the whole thing. Um, yeah, point? team team Graham, yeah, my boy Fabian Edwards. Yeah, another another dominant first round finish. So he's three and zero now uh, as a pro, and just steamrolling everybody and looking very impressive. They they put the we retweeted the clip they put up on Twitter that showed. Uh, his post-fight interview with the with the finish with him just getting the rear naked choke locked in, but uh, we'll probably put the fight up on severe when, when they put the full fight up online. And then <clears throat> Aaron Chalmers came back again as well here uh, to probably the biggest test of his career today, but still not a still not a big test. Obviously, he got hurt uh, with a big it was a right hand, I believe, in inside of ten seconds, but he, he recovered pretty well from that. Um, Came back and landed a big, a big right hand of his own and got the got the finish. Another, you know, he did he did what he could. Obviously, the opponent Owen won as an amateur for professional debut, um, and, and he did what he could. Got got the finish. Uh, there, you you know, we've talked about this a hundred times before. But look, my, my thinking was still the same with Aaron Chalmers. Aaron Chalmers is not a normal MMA fighter. You know, he's not like a Reese McKee or a Dylan Chuk or something. You're not. You're not giving him fights to build him up to make him into a champion. That's not what you're doing with Aaron Chalmers. And I, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. (laughs) That was funny. But I don't think people realize that. Like, like this is you're not matchmaking him the same way you'd matchmake those Dylan Duke or you know Nathan Jones or anyone. He is a special attraction. Like I don't understand why people don't realize that. Like he he's a celebrity who's going there fighting because he is a big name and he wants to you know he wants to have a few fights and he wants to test himself out and they want you know Bama what are Bama going to do? Give him give him a fight that he's going to lose. I saw people you know, PC said as well Richard Kiley. Why in the name of fuck would Bama give him Richard Kiley? Why would Bama want him to get knocked out? 
clean in in about 30 seconds like why would they want that yeah i don't think they would want that but i think uh people are seem to be getting restless about the fact that he's fighting guys who, who are negative or never won an amateur never won a pro i think there was a lot of there's a lot of people pointing that out and saying well, what a waste of time and stuff. But people are tuning in, people are talking about it, even if people are hating on it. It's it's more it's it's creating more buzz, even if it is slightly negative towards the card. And people are maybe if people didn't know the card was on or forgot the card was on, they'd realize the card was on and tune in. I think they could have done a better job. They, uh, the broadcast could could have maybe stuck. Uh, once, once a couple of fights ended early, they, early they could have put in like right after that Aaron Chalmers fight, they could have ran the Fabian Edwards fight, or they could have ran the Reese McKee fight, or they they need to be more proactive with that kind of stuff uh, to get get the most out of Aaron Chalmers, uh, attracting all these viewers. So I think I, I, I don't hate on it like other people do. I think if like it makes sense for for all sides the way they're doing it, but I think people are are becoming slightly restless. But as I say, you know. He's, he, I don't think they have any designs on him being a champion or anything. So no. I think I think uh, people are people just want to see him get beaten. So that's why people want to see him in there against uh, somebody a lot better than the opponents he's facing. Yeah, like look at CM Punk against Mickey Gall. Like when he came out of that, if your first reaction wasn't what were they doing giving him Mickey Gall, didn't you're? you're well, people just, loved it though. People uh, wanted to see CM Punk get his ass kicked. Yeah, but like, what good is that? Like, God, he's an he's an CM Punk is an attraction. And that attraction now is basically he might get one more, but if he, if they match make him like that again, he's gone, and the, the attraction is just over unless he goes somewhere else and they match make him properly. Like mm. Aaron, Aaron Chalmers, well, the argument is you build somebody, you build somebody off Aaron Chalmers' name. You, you build, you build a Riley or uh, or whoever, like whoever they end up putting him against, who is a skilled fighter. And you're looking to get him a few wins, get a bit of buzz going, and then build some guy off him. That's not going to happen in Bama, though. Maybe that could happen in the UFC. Like, it's happened a little bit with Mickey Gall. But, like, that's not going to happen in Bama, let's be honest here. Like, if, it, if Richard Kiley beats him, like, people are not going to be tuning in for Richard Kiley because he beats Aaron Chalmers next time out. Like, let's be honest. Well, here, I, don't he, he, I don't know. He gets head kicked, knocked out or something, and it goes, you know, it's shared around on all these social media and all these clickbait websites and all the all the entertainment websites and all that stuff. It, it would, yeah, it would, it would. Uh, increase the the interest and the knowledge of, of somebody like Richard Kiley or whoever they end up putting in. Uh, but I don't think that they're in any rush whatsoever to do that. I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of good matchups for him, for him, style wise and experience wise and record wise uh, for at least a few more fights. Yeah, there's talks of baby slice. He obviously called out baby slice. I think that that would That's be probably. Yeah, that that'd be a tough one for him, but I think that'd be like the that'd be his UFC title fight. I think to be honest, I think that's the, the highest you could give him. I honestly, I don't think Baby Slice is that good to be honest. And I think mm. I think you already have a bit of interest in Baby Slice and a bit of knowledge around him, so maybe it's not the best guy if you, to put him in there against. But he seems to want that one, so that I'd say he's got a, a good a good enough say in what he wants to do next. And I'd say he, he's definitely not just being told you're fighting this guy and he has no say in it. Yeah, I wonder will what Bama will think of that. Like that, that'll probably probably be on a Bellator card. I know they they call promote a lot, but I don't think Bama would want to lose him. You know, I'd say Bama would want to keep him on their cards, and maybe you know they obviously have a, a good relationship between Bama and Bellator, so maybe they could work that out. But yeah, like just on Charmers, like I think people re- really do need to view him in a different light. Like if you're viewing him 
in a in a in a prospect light. That's the wrong light to view him in. Like when that you know the the sun came out and said, "Oh, Conor McGregor, he's going to be fighting Conor McGregor next." Everyone laughed at it, and rightly so. But like you should also be laughing at him fighting other legit guys. Like he he is you know how how is he supposed to fight Richard Kiley when Richard Kiley is training you know six days a week or whatever, you know when he's fucking on Jardy Shore and probably training like two or three days a week. This, like, this is a kind of a pastime for him. Like, this is Bama want an attraction, want him to fight. Like, like I, I don't see I don't see anything wrong with it. People are, like, personally offended by this. Like, as you said, as you said last week, like, he's given, like, the guys in the main event, like a freak show if he'd won, uh, or like Dizzy, who did, who who beat him, who put on a good display, but you know, obviously, you know, wasn't uh, didn't set the world light or anything. If, if but if he had got a big knockout, people might have tuned in and saw that, you know, before Chambers and didn't like him and stuff, and taken like if someone does, was to beat him, they, they would take a little bit. I don't think they'd be huge, but they take a little bit from it as well. That's you know, that's a, you you build up, you get people in, and you look, oh, this is a good product. Oh, look, David Hayes here, you know, Patty Hoolan is is a very interesting analyst. I'm looking at him. Maybe I'll tune into Bama again. You know, you you're not going to get loads. Him, but maybe you'll get a few and you know that's a good thing from from them as well or maybe they'll just turn into that show and that's what they want as well because that at the end of the day that's what people are, are in this for the 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 promotions they're in this to get people to watch them to make money out of it and Aaron Chalmers can make the money watching and make the money at the gate that crowd was going absolutely insane when his fight came on and uh, I think people just need to look at the reality. Yeah. Uh, reality. Would, would ITV even be interested in streaming it live or showing it live if Aaron Chalmers wasn't on the card? Yeah, maybe that's a good point. And the, the, your point as well about them uh, not putting other fights on. Maybe it's because it's the first ITV uh, ITV show as well that you know the, that you know the relationship isn't there. They told them you're getting these three fights and that's it. Maybe in a couple of you know fights time, if, uh, a fight finishes in the first round, maybe they do show uh, one of the other fights that happened earlier in the card. And you know, I, I think uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, a growing relationship. But it's good to see him on a big channel like that. You know, Cage Warriors on Channel Four for a while. They're obviously on BT now as well. It's it's a br- it's a huge time for for UK MMA and. Um, you know, there seems to be always a lot of negativity around UK MMA, but I think it's a very positive time for UK MMA. They were kind of, you know, they were on the back burner there for a while, but um, with Cage Warriors back, uh, as I said, and and uh, and uh, you know, KSW as well, putting on uh, on some good fights around Europe and and um, uh, and Bama as well. It's 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 a good time for uh, for UK MMA. Yeah, I won't, I won't. I don't want to say it's a particularly good time. Like they don't have like an abundance of of top class fighters coming through. I think like people like Fabian Edwards are are leading the charge, but. Um, DKC Lahore. Yeah, there's a, there there is a few guys, but I, like it isn't like a hotbed at the moment or anything. But um, it's definitely it definitely helps being on TV and being live is always a massive help. Like tape delay is just diabolical. So fair play to Bama for getting that that uh, ITV deal done. We, we've definitely talked a lot about them needing to get it done, so we should praise them for getting it done. Yeah, hundred percent. And isn't it amazing too how Bama and Cage Warriors can get on TV? And I think even ACB have been on like Box Nation and stuff over here, uh, and another you know obviously the UFC are on it as well. And Bellator can't even get near it, or, or it's like a three day delay or a, or a nine day delay or whatever. I can't uh, sort out some some TV some an hour or two on TV for some reason. Yeah, like three o'clock in the middle of the night, like they'd rather put on fucking teleshopping than than put on Bellator. Yeah, I still maintain like they're not doing enough. Scott Coker and Imbys are not doing enough fighting to get it live. I just I think they're a little bit afraid of their bosses and they don't want to they don't want to rock the boat to be honest. 
but we've talked about that a million times anyway. But uh, yeah, it was just disappointing again. We couldn't like Michael McDonald fought in that guard. Have you seen it? I haven't. No, seen I haven't it. actually. No, Valerie Turno as well fought in that. You know, probably two there, two there big signings. Obviously, who could be champions for them. You know, in, in light enough divisions, and I like I honestly didn't hear anyone talking about it. I I I, I got an email and said, was it? What you say? Was it even on tape delay here? I think I think it might have been. I don't know if it's on next week or if it was on like Sunday or something. I don't know. Maybe it might be on tonight. I don't know. Like I'm not going to watch it. Let's be honest there. Nobody's. I'm never going to see that fight. And yeah, that's our problem. Right. Let's move on. Um, two Irish guys back. Uh, at the weekend, Will Flory got a very, very good win over in EFC Africa, and uh, Phil Malpeter as well got a very good win over Ali Arish, uh, over in It was over in the UK, wasn't it? Yeah. Two, two outstanding performances. Yeah, it was a really good fight, actually, the, the Phil Malpeter and, and Ali Arish fight while it lasted. Uh, it was the second round, rear naked choke for, for Phil Malpeter after just under three years out. So it's always, uh, it's always uh, hard to come back after after that long out and not look rusty but he, but he, he didn't he didn't look rusty uh Ali Arish is obviously a really good wrestler and he he's relentless with his wrestling and I think Phil kind of Phil Mopeter kind of took him on at his own game and and, and the slam uh, he slammed Ali Arish down hard in the second round right before he ran a choked him I think that kind of broke the spirit a bit of Ali Arish um so fair play to Phil Mopeter he's always in these these back and forth wars and he never really disappoints in, in entertainment value in his fights so uh, big win for him uh, after so long out and after talking maybe like you he, he wasn't going to come back at one stage so it was great to see him back yeah 100% yeah like he, he's he, you know how long is it three years now since he fought or something you know he was one of the top guys always you know, always one of the most exciting guys you know there was a lot of fights made for him over the last year or so and he kind of fell out of him you know one thing or another i think he got a cut as well didn't he like the day before one of his fights or something like that and, and he was pulled out of it so you know but yeah yeah so i think there's a few cards coming up uh, i think cage legacy have a card and belong cork in february and there's a few more cards coming up i'd love to see him get on a couple of them and maybe then on a bam or a cage warrior show next year uh, and and get him a bit of momentum going, you know, and 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 revitalize that career, obviously, which it has been on pause for a for a good while. Like he's that that you know, as you said, Ali Arish is no joke. He's a very very good fighter to come back, you know, to come back from a long long time out, uh, and it just shows how good uh, how good Philip Marpeter is actually as a fighter. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to his next one. Uh, Will Flory in as well over in the FC Africa. Yeah, it's a good knockout, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a scrappy start to the fight, but uh, once he started landing on big shots, uh, it, it was just all over then. He's got a lot of power, and he's, he's a big, big raw bastard, as he says himself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he's, the, the EFC commentators were, were talking about how uh, I actually didn't haven't seen the, the, the EFC, the fighter uh, program, which is like a kind of similar thing to the Ultimate Fighter that they did their first season of, but they were they were saying that he, that he was... Uh, it's a big part of it. And he was he was kind of like the life and soul of, of the of the show. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll be able to watch that at some stage. They also said he was sparring with Conor McGregor, and helped him. Was like, what? What are you talking about? Was this a light light heavyweight or middleweight? Was it probably one of them? Like, yeah, he's, I don't think he's doing that much, that much sparring with Conor McGregor, to be honest. But yeah, it was a <clears throat> it was a phenomenal display. I landed that big right hand. Uh, and and put him away. He almost finished him in the in the first as well, but with a bit of ground and pound and landed a few shots on the feet. But he looks very good. You know, he reminds me a little bit of of Peter Quilly, but obviously a, a bigger fighter with maybe a little bit more power. I think if Quilly had that power, you know, he could 
you know, he he could be, you know, he could cause a lot of people's a lot more problem. Uh, and, and I think I think Flory has. He's still very young in his career. What is he three and all now? Um, had a good amateur career, and you know yeah. he's he's another huge prospect as well. And I think you know up those higher weights, I think you can find middleweight, light heavyweight. Uh, you know, there's it might be a tough getting fights, but if he, if he does get them and get the five or six and all, I think there's the, the big promotions. You know, they're they find it hard to get guys around there, and, and I think he could be uh, he could be one of the next Irish guys to get into the into the UFC or something like that. But I, I think he's he's really I've seen over a while anyway after coming out of that program. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's undefeated in what six, seven, eight fights at amateur, and then he's un- undefeated three and zero at pro. And he has that win on the fighter, uh, the EFC, the fighter exhibition bout. It's kind of like the other fighter it doesn't count on your official record, but it's still a he. He won by choke in the first round on that one, so uh, he's reeling off the victories. And uh, yeah, as you say, like a couple, two or three more wins maybe with, with EFC. Like going over there and fighting in enemy territory and far away from home is a, is a good experience if you can come through with the win. And he did, so fair play to him. Yeah, he's going to be the first monster man in the UFC, I reckon. That's what I reckon anyway. He, he definitely could be. Um, right, let's get to... Do, 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 do. Let's get to next week's, or in two weeks' time, UFC card. Obviously, Christmas next week, so we're going to get to this uh, UFC 219 card, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the 30th of December. Um, an absolutely phenomenal card. Just looking through it here, you have Chris Cyborg against Holly Holm in the main event, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Edson Barboza and Komen, Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker, Cynthia Cavillo versus uh, Carla Esparza, Carlos Condit, Neil Magny, you likes Dan Hooker on that card as well against Marty Casey. Very good fight. Miles Jury, Rick Glenn, Lewis Smolka's back. Brilliant card, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's a really good card. Um, I think the the probably pick of them is the Khabib and Barboza fight, but there is other ones that that, that you're definitely looking forward to. Like seeing Carlos Condit come back is great. Louis Smolka is all, all, always great to watch. He's very exciting. Um, always gets in mad scrambles and exciting fights. Even down the card, as you say, like uh, you got people like Miles Jury against Rick Glenn. You got Daniel Hooker against March Casey. Like some some very good fight. Even the even the opening Khalil Rountree uh, fight, like you know, opening up with a, two big guys, probably being a knockout there. Hopefully, so yeah. Uh, Jimmy Rivera and John Lineker is obviously a really really good fight at the lighter weight as well. So yeah, this is a great card. Well, where did you see that Habib versus Barboza fight going? It's a tough one. I like I'd probably go with Khabib if I had a free bet and even money, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Edson can knock him out early. I wouldn't be surprised I- at all. I think Edson will win. Uh, I think he'll he'll probably win in decision. Maybe uh, it, it's a. Uh, it, I, I, I don't know. He might get a knockout as well. I don't, I'm very. This is one of those fights. You the just, amount of damage that he actually puts on people when he gets them down, it, yeah. it kind of seems to drain them a bit. He, he takes their will a bit, and I think Barbosa maybe has has faded in fights where it hasn't been going his way before as well. Like, That's true. but not to the not to the extent like Charles Oliveira or anything like that. But. Um, and he, and he definitely has seemed, uh, seemed improved in his last few fights at Barbosa, but Khabib, when you can get somebody down and put that punish on them, is always dangerous, but he, he's very, uh, he's definitely not a, anywhere near uh, Barbosa's level on the feet, so you know, it's a really tough one to pick. I, I go with Khabib just because even if he gets rocked, he might be able to sneak a takedown and recover, mm-hmm. so but uh, it's, a, it's a really tough one. I, I might change my mind before the fight actually happens in a couple of weeks to my reason, I have two reasons for picking Barboza here. Like we spoke about a hundred times before, I, I always wanted to see 
I always wanted to see Habib versus Jose Aldo uh, because Aldo has like the best takedown events in UFC history, I think. And I think uh, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov is one of the best wrestlers ever. And I think Barboza has a little bit of a, I don't think his takedown defense is as good as Aldo's, but it's similar. You know, he's the, if you get, if you touch the ground, you just pop straight back up, you explode out of it, you pull your legs out and you just get away. Uh, And I think Barboza does does that when he gets into those situations. Now against Nurmagomedov, it's it's a whole different ball game because he's you know the one of the best in the world. But the other the other part of it then is I think Barbosa just naturally is a guy that stays away from takedowns. He circles a lot. You know we we've seen him against Anthony like he's the like the, the antithesis of Anthony Pettis. Like he just doesn't get his back up uh, against the fence, fights out of it, throws the combinations to get away. To, you know if he does get near the fence, circles away. It's very very fast fast hands fast kicks. Uh, very very good takedown defense. Like I just think it has the makings of a really good fight. If you know Habib is really really good, but he's barely fought in the last three years. You know, uh, Dosanios he beat Dosanios, and I think someone put up that he has fought twice since Dosanios has fought uh, since he fought Dosanios, and Dosanios has fought like ten or eleven times. So that's uh, you know it's absolutely huge. He's barely fought. So I'm uh, you know I'm looking forward to that fight. I, I do think Barboza will win. I think he'll have enough power on the feet. I think he'll be able to. Stay on the feet, not get taken down, uh, and I think he'd beat Habib. What odds would you give on Khabib either not making it to the fight with an injury or not making weight? Jesus, you couldn't. You'd probably give two to one. It's not very good odds, is it? For no, no. Weeks out. <laughs> yeah, God Almighty, Jesus, yeah. And like Kane and and DC are in the gym as well, no fighting, so he's probably in there sparring them, just getting fucking knocked out, getting his knees broken up and stuff. So. Kieran away from him anyway. He does. fucking rotten. I don't know how anyone. Should be on the Rada panelist. It's it's dangerous. Do you like tiramisu? No. And you you like coffee as well, don't coffee. you? I like coffee. Yeah. I don't. I'm not that big fan of cake though. Any kind of cakes, really. I remember the first time I met you. You got you bought me a cup of coffee, and I was like, "What the fuck is this? What do you give me?" I was like, "I don't drink coffee. Take that. Just, just drink it yourself." Drink two in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Fine by me. Yeah, uh, yeah, but that that should be fun. Uh, before we get to the main event, let's look at a couple of the other ones. What about that Cynthia Cavio Carla Esparza fight? That's a, that's a pretty good fight, obviously. Carla Esparza, former uh, UFC strawweight champion, uh, Cynthia Cavio, the the big prospect in that division. I can see that being uh, very boring if if Carla Esparza is going to be able to implement her game. Um, but if, if Cavio is going to win, it'll it'll probably be be a finish. But uh, if it goes to decision, it'll probably be Carla laying on top of her. I'd say. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think Cavio has a good bottom game. She's good triangles and good sweeps and stuff to get out. So even if she is taken out, I could see either see her submitting Esparza or, or popping out. I think on the feet, she's she's pretty good as well. I think Cavio is just all around very good. It, like, I think a lot of things with Esparza as well is she's not the best fighter in the world, but I just <clears throat> there's there's something mentally with her. I I don't don't think add ups adds up after she got absolutely destroyed by uh Joanna and Jacek. You know we saw a similar thing with Anthony Pettis, and he just stopped making improvements after that. Then I think Asparza was a little bit the same. But if she can get that back, you know if she can get her mojo back, she's a she's not as bad a fighter as as uh, you know as she as she's looked recently. Uh, and then she we you know we've seen it kind of you know very very recently that she has gotten a. Gotten a little bit better again, you know. She beat Juliana Lima and Marina uh, Moroz recently, uh, you know, in between losses to uh, obviously the Injecic fight, and I think Randa Marcos beat her as well. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I definitely favor Cavio here. Um, 
you know, I don't think as far as I'll be able to hold her down, to be honest, I think she'll be able to to get some good sweeps, maybe even get the, the triangle finish. Uh, Jimmy Rivera against John Lineker. This is this is an interesting matchup, isn't it? Um, Jimmy Rivera is one of those kind of fly under the radar type of guys. He's put an unbelievable win streak together now, coming in here against uh, against John Lineker, one of the hardest hitting guys in that division. After you know he just beat another one of the hardest guys in the hardest hitting guys in the division, Thomas Almeida. After you know Uriah Faber, Uriah Alcantara. Would you favor uh, Would you favor Lineker here, or would you go with with Rivera? I think I'd favor Rivera. Yeah, I'd probably favor Rivera as well. I think uh, he looked very good in in his wins over Faber and over Almeida. They went to decision, but he, I think he, I think it's very hard to finish people at one thirty five unless unless you're like a really hard hitter, which, which John Lineker is, and he's got to watch out. For, he's got to watch out for that. Uh, Rivera's got to watch out for this, that in this fight. But uh, I'd say I'd say it'd be a close decision, and it could go either way. But if I definitely uh, lean towards Rivera. Yeah, I think the same. Yeah, I think the clinch might be a factor here. He, he can push uh, Lineker up against a good, get a few takedowns as well. Uh, and I think you know he's a little bit bigger. You maybe use his distance, stop Lineker, um, uh, stop Lineker landing his big shots. Although I think Lineker has become good at cutting down the cage recently. But you know, I think I think this is kind of just Rivera's time, and I think he he will win it. Um, Carlos Condit versus Neil Magny. This. A few couple of years ago, you you would have picked Carlos Condit, no problem here, and I probably still will pick Carlos Condit. Was back through the years, has yeah. been, you know, yeah, has been. He's wrestling. If Neil Magny, you know, can get close, can take him down, it could be very interesting. Uh, you know, I think Magny is susceptible to jujitsu as well. Carlos Condit has a lot of uh, submission wins, but uh, you know, it's going to be. Hard. I don't think he's going to triangle him around bar and mounting. That could happen, but I think on paper this looks like oh, Carlos Condit's going to win that fight, but. In, in in practice, I think this is a dodgy enough matchup for Carlos Conde. Yeah, yeah, I think a couple of, as I was saying a couple of years ago, I definitely would have picked Conde, but he's been out for a while as well, which which maybe is good about the amount of kind of damage he took and uh, fights before that. But uh, I think Neil Magny he looks really good against the kind of lower level ranked guys and and everybody else, but when he comes up against the top guys, which I think Conde definitely was and maybe isn't anymore, but probably will have just enough, just too much for Magny. I think. Uh, I think Condit will take this one, um, but I don't. I don't think Condit will ever be as will ever be the same as as he was back in the day. I don't like when you talk about retirement and you're kind of unsure if you want to continue. It's kind of hard to be as motivated as as a um, as you were when when you were younger. But I still think he'll have he'll have too much for Magni. I think Magni's just um, he just struggles against the, the very top guys and usually usually gets finished when he fights a, a top guy. Yeah. I'm not 100 to be honest on this yet. Um, I don't know who I'm gonna pick. You can wait. My picks will be out on severemed.com, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, make my final pick then. But yeah, I think, I think it is a close one. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, your boy Marty Casey as well back here against uh, against Dan Hooker, who last time he f- faced an Englishman um, got a big KO with with that knee down the middle uh, against Ross Pearson. Obviously, uh, Marty Casey coming back here trying to bounce back from uh, that loss to Drakkar close after getting those low leg kicks uh, Rafael Dos Anjos style in his last fight this is a big fight for Jake Casey so. yeah it's, it's a must win really uh, if you want to stay in the in the top echelon of, of matchups uh, for, your, for your next one and you want to keep people excited about you you don't want to, you don't want to lose two in a row even if the one you did lost was, was close and you don't want to lose another close one It'll just people don't remember what happened in the fight they just remember the, the they just see the result 
I think Daniel Hooker probably looked the best he's ever looked uh, against Ross Pearson in his last fight. But I think Ross Pearson's kind of on the the downturn of his career. He's 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 taken a lot of losses at this stage. Um, so I think I I, I think Diakazi's the favorite here. And uh, well, the odds aren't actually out. I don't think, but I think he'll be the favorite here, and I think he'll win. But uh, Daniel Hooker is an awkward guy to fight, and. Uh, He'll probably be looking to to land some low leg kicks as well, and see if see if Jacasey sorted that that problem that kind of hindered him in in his first loss of his career. He'll he'll test out to see if he's fixed them holes. I'd say. So uh, be interesting to see if he has. But uh, yeah, I definitely be picking Mark Jacasey here. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, and in the main the main event, Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm. My 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 one talk going into this fight is if if Holly Holm doesn't beat Chris Cyborg. Who is going to be Chris Cyborg? Like this is this is probably going to be the toughest matchup of Chris Cyborg's career, and I think most people will probably still pick her to win. She's just that good, and the lack of competition uh, is just so even that division. Um, like it, it has the makings of an interesting fight. To be honest, we know how Holly Holm fights. She fights on the outside. She throws jabs when she's about eight feet away from people, and you know she hits the odd one. She throws high kicks when someone tries to to, clo- to close the division or close the distance. And you know we've seen her against Ronda Rousey, but in other fights as well, uh, she's got big head kick knockouts, especially before she came to the UFC. Uh, you know, very good technical boxer doesn't get hit that much. Where Chris Cyborg, she used to be this juggernaut of a fighter who comes forward and just goes balls out, uh, you know, try to get the knockout. Recently, she's become more of a, a technical, you know, kind of a, an assassin in, in the middle, landing those one or two big shots when she needs to. And, you know, if, if she fights that way, which I think she probably will, you know, the new way, the, the technical way, this could be... This could be an interesting fight uh, for the first three or four rounds to see if she can lo- land those big technical shots against Holly Holm, who's obviously a decorated world champion boxer. Uh, and, you know, Cyborg would obviously have the, the advantage in the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu and stuff as well, if she can uh, if she can get into that realm. But I, I think this is an interesting fight uh, to see if Cyborg's new, you know, her new technical assassin game can stack up against someone as good as Holly Holm. Yeah, I think um, I think the, the style to beat uh, Cyborg is a, is a dominant wrestling style. I think that's where she's weakest. But Holly Holm may, might be able to frustrate her. Holly Holm's uh, not afraid to to follow a game plan, even if it's not the most exciting fight. And maybe there's a few boos ringing around. She, she'll stick to the game plan and she'll try to counter. Uh, I think um, Cyborg will just have too much for her. Though. I think Holly Holm's. Uh, um, striking and boxing uh, achievements are way overblown. Uh, world champion gets thrown around a, a lot in boxing, but uh, I think she, had, she hadn't fought outside. Uh, where was it, Albuquerque? In her, her boxed by yeah. Albuquerque in her whole boxing career, and her striking isn't. She's very limited in her striking, even though even though it is uh, one of the best in the division in a very very light one hundred and forty five pound division. Um, somebody with better wrestling might be able to beat her maybe Duran, uh beat Cyborg maybe Duran Durandamy might be able to as well uh, but I think somebody with a really good wrestling uh, maybe maybe even Amanda Nunes if she was to move up might have a good chance against her but um, yeah I, I think Holly Holm definitely has a chance if she can frustrate Cyborg Cyborg get dragged late into the rounds and see how she does there she hasn't been she hasn't been in the fifth round ever I don't think she hasn't even been past the third I don't think so um, Holly Holm has so I think 
definitely dragging it along and getting that explosive power to, to wane in, in Cyborg's punches and, and kicks is, is vital to Cyborg or to uh, Holly Holm um, winning here if she is to win. But I definitely, I definitely be picking Cyborg. Yeah, Cyborg went to the fourth against Marlux Kunin back in. Uh... Back in 2013, but yeah, other than that, that was a pretty pretty handy fight as well for her, to be honest. So, you know, she was basically just beating on Coonan for, you know, for the four rounds. I think uh, your points there about Amanda Nunes and Jermaine Aranemi, yeah, they're, they're another two probably good matchups for her, but it's, it's getting someone to actually fight her is a big problem as well. I think this fight, you know, you it will be Holly Holm running around on the outside, trying not to engage, trying to land a couple of jabs and a couple of high kicks, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and try to win the five-round decision. I, I think she can do that. I think she can win that way. It's going to be very, very tough. Um, and I don't think she will do it, but I think she could do it. Uh, I think the big problem fighting against someone like Chris Cyborg is she's just a, such a powerful person that if you're winning three or four rounds, she can still knock you out. And you said, you know, her, her energy might be winning and stuff. You know, that's definitely a factor. That could happen. But, I think she still has that ability to get a 10-8 round or to get the finish and make this, you know, make this into her fight just by changing out of that technical kind of, uh, you know, technical one big shot landed kind of McGregor sort of way and gone into her full-on, full-forward Diego Sanchez type of way with, with more more power and more, uh, you know, more uh, effectiveness in her division. And, you know, it, it, it's... I, I really am interested in this fight from a technical point of view and to see how Chris Eiberg will fight. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. it. It's a big fight for that division as well. Uh, you know, as you call it, it's not a real division. And if if Holly Holm can win this fight and, you know, obviously set up a rematch is, is most likely thing, that, that's going to be huge because then you have another big Chris Eiberg fight. And it's hard to get big Chris Eiberg fights because, it's, as I mentioned, it's so hard to get uh, people to fight her. But looking forward to it. Yeah, no, it's going to be a really good card. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely good, good to look forward to around Christmas yeah. as well. Like, uh, there's always a uh, a Christmas or New Year's card from the UFC with a stacked, stacked uh, undercard. Sometimes on a lot of pay per views, you just get a couple of fights on the main card, but this one has good fights from the start. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and there's a there's a few cards coming up after as well. UFC obviously two twenty, two twenty one as well are are looking pretty good. So yeah. Right, let's get to your questions. Uh, if you want to send us in questions over the next couple of weeks while we're off, send them to uh, at SeveraMayPod, uh, SeveraMayPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also hit myself and Graham up at Sean Sheen BA. I am over on Twitter. Graham is at SeveraMMA. Right, let's do the Naked Day Q&A. And this is a Christmas special edition. So here we go. Home Alone 1 or Home Alone 2? Mm, home Alone 1. I can't. I can't remember what happens in Home Alone too. Um, I think they meet him in. Uh, he meets his mom in the middle of the city. It's kind of the same thing over and over again. Oh, is that I the one with Donald Trump in it? When he's stuck in the hotel. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Home Alone one definitely. Roses, Quality Street, or celebrations? Definitely celebrations. 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 Yeah. The Grinch are. Is that true or false? What? <laughs> is that something to be true or false? Uh you're yeah, not. All right. Nickel dead. He makes up his own rules. <laughs> The Grinch or Elf? Ooh, The Grinch. I'm going to go with Elf in that one. I, I haven't seen I think I've only maybe seen The Grin, Grinch once. But the Jim Carrey's The Grinch. He was, yeah. But I think Elf. I think Will Ferrell should have won an Oscar for his role in Elf. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I thought he was brilliant. You're trying to say Jim Carrey or Will Ferrell over Jim Carrey? Mm, God, Jim, Jim, I love a bit of Jim Carrey. I love a bit of Jim Carrey. <laughs> the, tur- the turkey or the ham? The ham. 
I go with the turkey. I, I just loved her. I love them both, to be honest. Bit of, no, do you know what I'm going to go there? The stuffing. I love the stuffing. That wasn't, that wasn't an option. Yeah, that wasn't an option, but I'm taking it anyway, because fuck you, that's why. Tinsel or no tinsel on the tree? No tree at all. No tree? Ah, what kind of fucking pagan are you? On a dead tree, my gaff, that I have to get rid of afterwards. But do you not like buy one from Argos and you can have it every year? Nah, that's even stupider. Yeah. Do you not have a tree in your house, no? No. Miserable bastards. Uh, I'm going to go with tinsel on the tree, even though I don't have tinsel on my tree, but there you go. The Polar Express or the Santa Claus? What, what's that? I don't, I've never even seen the Santa Claus. I presume they're films. I've seen the Polar oh, Express. I haven't seen it. I go with Polar Express. Santa presents wrapped or unwrapped? What? Unwrapped presents? What's this madness about? Um. Yeah. Um. Either way. Either way. Have you all your presents bought for Christmas? None whatsoever. None. Ah, oh, you're useless. Fairy tale New York jingle bells. All I want for Christmas. Or do they know it's Christmas? Is that even a question? Yeah. That's... Look at next. We're not, I'm not. We're not even going to answer that one. Let's be honest. It's have you actually? <laughs> have you he- heard that Ed Sheeran version of Fairytale New York? It's all being tweeted by a couple of people, but I just couldn't bring myself to click on it. I'll never get it out of my head if I it'd just be ruin ruin the original. Yeah, God, it was awful. It was the most and some. Of course, of course it was. Anne Marie, I think her name was. Like, who who the fuck is Anne Marie? Like, what what's this about? Uh, it's weird. It's weird. Uh, okay, let's get to more of the questions. Aaron O'Brien asks, who has the most potential of all the welterweights right now to go on a sustained run and reign for years, in your opinion? Jesus. Um, Usman, I reckon. Yeah, being a really dominant grappler is definitely a, definitely a, a, high, or a good method of victory. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'd probably agree. I'd probably go Usman as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Nobler at Nobs11, friend of the podcast. There's talks of, uh, and a few people have actually asked this uh, these two questions that he asked here talks of T Wood and Colby as next tough coaches. First of all, we, <laughs> I, think I, think, I think that's a pretty funny idea. Yeah, when's the last, yeah, when's the last time Tom Woodley, when did he fight last? Uh, recently, but he's a shoulder injury, I think, doesn't he? So he's gonna be out for a while. Yeah, you might as well do that. Yeah, I think uh, Covington would uh, would have people even more enraged at him after eight weeks of of tough filming. So I, that could be that could be a, a runner. Yeah, and then he asks, and a couple more people ask as well uh, about Richie Smullen. What if Richie Smullen gets into the house? Noblar's question, and he's uh, Colby's his coach after all the trash talk with SPG. That could be funny. Uh, I don't think it would matter. Richie Smullen doesn't give a shit about all that nonsense. I don't think he's pretty. Uh, he's got his head screwed on. He's not getting involved in any bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Gavin Springer, friend of the podcast, I'll well, ask: Does Emmett lose some of the glass off his KO victory due to him to miss some weight? Uh, yeah, we discussed this earlier. Oh, on. Yeah, yeah, I think so like, not really. Like nobody's going to look at the KO in a few years and be like, "Ah, he missed weight, though." Yeah, yeah, that that is true. That is true. In fairness, uh, Mister Podjas, what's next for Malpete? Or uh, you know, I, I, um, yeah. Bama probably maybe KSW. Yeah, KSW would probably be more lucrative for him, and I think they'd be interested. Um, I'm not sure when their next show is. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, I think they have one in December somewhere, but I think that's probably way too close. But uh, he probably enjoy Christmas and hope to get back in there again. Maybe I'm not, I haven't talked to him or anything, but he, I don't think it'd be for another couple of months. So there'll probably be a Bama, a Bama card or a Bellator card. He could get on as well. He, he has loads of options as well, anyway. So uh, hopefully he won't have to wait uh, so long in between fights again. Yeah. Uh, Andy Stevenson at Andy SD one two three friend of the podcast. Well, all the friends in this week. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bama promoting world title fights that are three rounds? I imagine it comes down to paying fighters for five. 
look, a, a couple of things in this. One, they're not world titles. Let's just be honest there. They're Bama titles. Um, so you can just forget about that. Three rounds. I, I think they should be three rounds, to be honest. I, like, why are lads fighting five rounds for a Bama title? Like, five, 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 five rounds when you get to, like, UFC or a Bellator title or something like uh, I don't think they can pay them enough for them to fight five rounds for the extra money. They deserve to fight an extra two rounds. Uh, so I'm grand with three round fights, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's kind of it's an interesting one. Like, if you're going to call it a world title, it should be five rounds, I think. But they should just call it a Bama title and have it three rounds. But it's not a big deal either way. These titles, like like UFC titles, are fairy tales anyway. So like. Other titles, lower organizations are uh, even less valuable. People just yeah. get a bit caught up in, in shiny belts. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mr. Podge as well asks, uh, what do you make of the rumors uh, after Leota Machida was mar- um, um, match made with Eric Anders that Leota didn't want to take another fight too soon as pressured into it by the UFC? Uh, very. I thought that was very worrying, especially after what happened with Bisping. Apparently they they had no one to headline this upcoming Bellum card in in Brazil, and they really wanted Leota to do it. And I don't know that they offer him more money or what's the crack, but it, you know I think Guillermo Cruz said that Leota didn't want to fight in it, and they asked him to do it and stuff. But which I find very very worrying altogether. Yeah, yeah. it's a strange one. It's just you don't really know what's happened. But uh, if he didn't want to fight him, he shouldn't. Have, he's a grown man. Like he should decide what to do himself. <laughs> like if he goes out there and he's he's made the decision to go out there and he ends up losing, it's his fault. It's on him. Yeah. Uh, Farrell Conley asked a couple of questions. Uh, looks like the, the Perry Till fight could be gone after Perry's defeat. But what about the possibility of Till versus Lawler and who wins it? Who? It's a tough fight. Um. Yeah, I'd probably go with Till. Uh, kind of same reasons I went with RDA. I think I think Robbie Lawler's his best days are behind him, and I think uh, he's taken even more damage now. And I think he was getting rocked by like punches he wouldn't have got rocked by uh, previously. For shots that wouldn't have affected mm-hmm. him. So I think uh, I, I'd have to watch tape, but I'd, I'd lean Till, thinking about it for about five seconds. Mm, yeah, I think then you need a slower roll with Till. Jesus, he fought Cerrone like and beat Cerrone, but uh, like we talked about earlier, Cerrone's no good. Uh, or he was, <laughs> but he's not good. Like, you know what I mean? And Robbie Lawler is a different, different gravy. Like he's he's a different. Uh, you know, I'd like Till to get one or two more before he fights that caliber of fighter. To be honest, uh, and Farrell Conley also asked in the, the selfie king of MMA said, "What's your favorite Christmas movie?" He says, "Die Hard is up there." Ooh. Yeah, that's Die Hard's definitely up there. Bad Santa's very good as well. Do you know, I went to I I watched that there recently. Went to watch it and then like fell fell asleep like five minutes through it and I never watched it. I must still watch it. It's supposed to be a brilliant film, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton's hilarious. And yeah, Christmas films. Home Alone's a Christmas film as well, I suppose. Um, yeah. Back to the Future. Would that count as a Christmas film? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not really. Titanic. Maybe it would. Titanic. Titanic is awful. Come on. I don't know. I haven't seen it in years. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't just know. Like, why don't you just poke it on that massive raft at the end? Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Spoiler Leonardo alert. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Leonardo, Leonardo dies. Spoiler alert. Call me Colby Covington. I like the way Colby Covington has stolen my hatred of Liverpool and constantly tweeting about it and just like used it for himself. Like, that, that was a bit ignorant, wasn't it? 
<laughs> we actually didn't talk about football yet, so oh, yeah. we will do that at the end. Yeah, what, what do you think? What, Liverpool won like 4 0 today, didn't they? Man United won 2 1. Yeah, ref giving offside against Liverpool when they're in their own half, just making up his own rules. But we managed to overcome the the team, the Bournemouth team, and the refs this time. Yeah. They were very, very, very controversial, dodgy decisions against Liverpool for three Premier League games in a row. Man United managed to overcome themselves this week. Romelu Lukaku actually played okay, which was which was odd. But Ander Herrera is like the worst footballer to ever live. I think, like, I, I reckon, I genuinely reckon if we put you in mid Man United's midfield, it'd be better than when Ander Herrera. <laughs> he's not that bad. He's fucking you. Sure, when's Carrick back? Is he back yet? I don't know. He's yeah. like a heart problem. I don't know if he'll ever be back. He's He'd have like heart surgery. So. He's getting involved in fights in tunnels, though, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. Did you see yeah, men? No, yeah. Did you see the yeah, men? Yeah, got his got his eye cut or something, did he? Or is his eyebrow cut? Yeah, I don't know. Did you see? Uh, the, the FA asked Jose Mourinho to explain like his comments before the match when he said he uh, what he said was Man City players go over easily. Basically, that's what he said, right? So, like, wh- what do you want him to explain? He said that. But Jurgen Klopp comes out almost like threatens a fucking uh, reporter says like really bad things about the referee like he didn't threaten anybody what are you talking about yeah but like he didn't say it in that interview he asked your man a question your man didn't agree and then Klopp said oh well, what do I know basically wasn't it yeah but that was he was absolutely slating the referee like when well, he was the ref saying wasn't just giving yeah the yeah but that, that's grand like I think they should all be allowed to say that I have no problem yeah. with what Klopp said but the fact they call out Mourinho for saying it and nothing is said to Klopp well, they'll ask him to explain he won't do anything like they let, they let Lukaku off with a double kick attempt like a couple of games ago or Teddy gets hit with a bottle and cut and no bands like I don't know I wouldn't Man United really be moaning too much yeah but like Mourinho the the FA's disciplinary unit Mourinho gets an awful doing like and he does nothing like not half as bad like Klopp is the worst like I don't mind it like I think Klopp should be allowed to do I think Mourinho should be allowed to do it like it's freedom of speech let them fucking say what they want but the fact they keep calling Mourinho in over things like this is absolutely fucking idiotic, I think. When when Klopp is way worse, like roaring at people's well, if they don't punish him for it, and lads on the on the, the thing around. If they don't punish him for it, it just means nothing. It's just a but they, to, did he punch him for it? He got fucking sent off there in the game recently for stepping on the pitch. He'd one torn on the well, pitch. He, I was watching, 12, 12 men on the pitch, like come on. I was watching Liverpool last week and Klopp literally went uh, three or four feet onto the pitch during the, the, in the, ball, was, the, game. the ball was in play going down that wing that Mourinho ran on though that was a bit that was a bit over over the line I thought like you know it was a bit it was a bit Frank much was he was trying to, trying to put off the guy running it in the wing did you hear uh, did you hear the Man City players the other day singing about Man United in the dressing room after they won a game how embarrassing like how whoa, 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 whoa. embarrassing what, like, what happened I don't know they were singing about Mourinho parking the bus or something you're 14 points ahead in the league and you're singing about Man United like how embarrassing is that you, you it's just it's, it's it's probably embarrassing. We're just having a bit of crack. You're just yeah, getting emotional. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. You can buy the league, but we'll you can't. Talk, buy we'll talk about this when you've calmed down. Don't 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 go on Niall McGrath. Jesus, will Niall McGrath survive the Christmas with all the drinking? <laughs> sure, it's <laughs> just another day for not all Christmas, isn't it? The <laughs> Christmas is just another day. Yeah, it's He's like, like what do you mean it's. <coughs> it's like us complaining about UFC cards being late when we're just up late all the time anyway but we still constantly do it that's like Niall as well oh I'm dying I'm not even, even like when the UFC ended at 3am I just stayed up watching other shit because <laughs> me too yeah. me too oh, MMA has ruined our lives right uh, a couple more questions before we go uh, Ben Cartledge world renowned MMA judge Ben Cartledge being as it's early it's nearly the end of 2017 what's the single best live event that the two gentlemen have seen this year and said come and say hello next time we're on an event oh, we did that last time yeah, personally he means yeah, yeah. Ooh, um, it's probably the KSW just for the whole the whole package KSW Dublin 
Yeah, and I think it had the best fights as well. I thought that Norman Park. Um, that was a real way that came to a premature end. It was really looking looking like it was going to take off. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a really good show all around. And uh, it, there wasn't too many fights on it. Like nine or 10 fights, perfect. This 17, 18, 20 fights is cards that sometimes come or just you just get bored after a while. Mm-hmm. You were at Mayweather McGregor as well, weren't you, actually? Isn't it funny? That was a fight, though, yeah. That was about yeah. a contest. Were you at any? There was no other. McGregor didn't fight again this year. That was his only fight this year, wasn't it? Yeah, about yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I said that as well. I was at Cage Legacy as well. That was pretty good. Although it was <laughs> about nine hours and Bama Bellator. It's okay. See, people probably think I'm robbing that that contest bout thing from Connor, but actually, I was there first. He robbed it from you. Is that what you're saying, McGregor? Just... <laughs> well, I don't know if he robbed it from me, but I was saying it before he ever said it. Are you calling Conor McGregor out right now that he's stolen his stick from you? Is that what you're saying? He owes me everything. Yo, d- <laughs> are you going for that to get in here on us? Are you? If you know her, without my interviews. I remember one time you were saying something to me. I remember he did that, uh, he did that, um, that in- that scrum like above in Dublin where it was on like he- someone got him to speak Irish and stuff. And you would like said something to me. And then he said like the exact same thing. You obviously said it to him. I was like, He's fucking who who robbed who there, and it was obviously him robbing you. But yeah, I can't. That's <laughs> good. It's good. You take what interesting pe- stuff people say on board, and you use it. That's you're intelligent. some wanker. But, oh, you're some fucking dickhead. Never liked you. <laughs> Never liked you. Never liked you. Right. Couple more questions here. Uh, CD at Irish MMA one ninety four asks, "Who's your Irish MMA fighter of the year?" We're not going to give that away, but what yeah, we will, what we will tell you is. You've got to wait. And we have a new panel lined up this year with, with a couple of interesting people. Obviously, we have the Severe May guys, and we have a we have a fighter coming on board this year in our voting panel, and we have a big Twitter personality as well who who knows more about fights than any of us. So it's it's gonna be interesting this year, and they should be coming up uh, at the start of January. So tune in for them. Um Dara Kelly then Aquilara asked Sean come up with his predictions for 2018 yet. No, I actually haven't, but I must soon. Uh, will Habib stay injury free for 219? We discussed that. Maybe not. <laughs> probably not. Um, how will yeah, Richie Smolin? Uh, probably, but I wouldn't be too confident. Yeah, and he said any word on how Richie Smolin and Kiefer Crosby got on the tough trials. Did, did Kiefer Crosby go? I don't think Kiefer went. John Kavanagh tweeted and put on Facebook a thing uh, saying good luck to Richie. So it would have been pretty strange if, if Kiefer was going as well and he didn't mention him. So I, I, I doubt Kiefer went. Yeah, uh, yeah. What about Richie Smolin? A lot of people ask about that as well. well I've I've seen him a couple of times, but you probably know him better than me. I don't know who else has gone over to the trials, so it's hard to know. And uh, undefeated guys with, with with at least three fights is the is the criteria. So I think it's featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight. Um, it's hard to know who's going to be there. But uh, Smolin's obviously really good leg locks. He's got good chokes. Uh, he's got good leg kicks. He's he's a really tough guy. Um. It's it's really hard to know who's going to be there. I'm not sure what what the situation is. Is it, is it going to be three different weight classes, or is there going to be guys who are, are featherweight fighting welterweights, or at, at 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 lightweight possibly? I'm not really sure what the what the story is with with this ultimate fighter. They just announced the the casting call basically, and that's all we know about it. Yeah. Um... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Uh, Irish MMA as well asks, Irish MMA 194 asks, out of the three wins from the Irish lads this weekend, obviously Reese, uh, Will Flory, and Phil Mulpeter, which one impressed you the most? I'd say uh, Phil Mulpeter because maybe he had the toughest matchup. And after coming back out of such a long time out, I thought it was a very good performance, very good finish. 
yeah, I'd probably agree just because it is Ali Arish who, who's very experienced, only lost, what, five or six fights in his career, fight, fought everybody. It's obviously hard to, to fight a guy who's relentless in wrestling as well. And as you say, he's a couple, he's a couple months shy of three years out. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably the most impressive. You, you, some guys, sometimes people, we always talk about how quickly the game moves. Some guys, guys, sometimes guys can come back after two or three years and the, the game's kind of passed them by. But... Uh, most of it looked sharp, so uh, yeah, I think that was probably the most impressive. But the, the, the other two were very impressive as well, like a knockout and, and a triangle. So uh, it, was, it was a it was a good weekend for for Irish MMA. Mm-hmm. Andy Stevenson, Andy St, you wanted to ask in the MMA world, choose the personalities for the following: Joseph, Mary, Baby Jesus, the innkeeper, and the three wise men. All right, Joseph, who who's like the fatter? We we'll stick to fighters here, maybe. Who's the <laughs> The story he was fed by his wife. Yeah. Who's who's really dumb in MMA? Hmm. Mike Perry. No, but yeah, he has to be like a father figure. Yeah, yeah. Whose wife cheated on him? Who's who would you believe whose wife cheated on him and said it was an immaculate conception? Who'd <laughs> <laughs> be stupid enough to do that? Uh, we don't believe that as well. Uh, Nobody's really dumb enough to believe that. It'd be very harsh to yeah. use everybody, anybody being that dumb, wouldn't it? Yeah. God, Diego Sanchez. We got because Diego Sanchez is kind of a holy guy. I think he's he's just nice, and he kind of believed that. I believe that. <laughs> we go, Diego Sanchez. Mary, Mary, who's kind of an old wild one that's mad altogether, and she could do anything. Um, and she's very, she's very uh, not to be trusted. Yeah, Chris Cyborg. Yeah, well, she's not really. Yeah, well, she failed the drugs test. Yeah, yeah, we got with her. So she's wild as well. The baby Jesus has to be Chuck or uh, Chuck uh, Sage Narcot, hasn't it? Baby Jesus, all omnipotent, mm. all omnipotent. Who has who has apostles? Sage <laughs> <laughs> uh, Narcot, the, the innkeeper, Audi on crosses. I like that. The innkeeper, the innkeeper, the like, in goal for uh, <laughs> for for, for football yeah, anyone, yeah, I don't know, I don't know that. Oh, the innkeeper, yeah. What about like someone who's been? Who, you need like a an innkeeper Michael is. Case, Michael Kaiser looked like him for a while. The 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 white portrait of of Arab born Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> only you would say something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I reckon the innkeeper. <clears throat> I reckon the innkeeper is like a bouncer these days. So you need like a big, hard, tough guy. I reckon Francis Ngannou would make a good innkeeper. Yeah, he would. Well, who who would be the other two other wise guys? Obviously, I'm I'm uh, one, one of the yeah. wise men. I'd have to be one of them <laughs> as well. Like, let's let's be honest here. I definitely have to be one of them. The third wise, like, who would you say is a wise man in MMA? There aren't that many wise men in MMA, is there? Yeah. Um... Hmm. It's a tough one. That they'd have to be a journalist anyway. I reckon the three wise men would be journalists. Me, you. I don't know. I wouldn't. Not, I wouldn't say PT. No, he's not that wise. Like PT's a PT's a wild one. Like you wouldn't know what PT could do. He's a mediocre fella. Yeah. Um. Definitely not not a leader though. No, definitely. Oh, he's not. No, oh, I wouldn't even mention him. What are you doing, Ariel? Maybe. Yeah, Ariel, Ariel, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, we'll give it to Ariel just because it's going on for so long. Give it to Ariel. Else. He gets it by people. Welcome yeah. to the club. Welcome. Uh, 
the super lad, what are your three wishes for MMA in 2018? I wish, here's my wishes. I wish that, um, I can't think of anything. I wish I want, no, I don't know. <laughs> I was going, I was going <laughs> something there. I was like, no, that's not going to. Uh, I hope there's a lot of good fights. Uh, I hope Conor McGregor fights again in MMA. Because I think the sport needs that. That'd be really good. Um, and I hope that they continue matchmaking in a way that gives us good fights rather than giving us ones that make sense with these stupid rankings. I think people like get caught, I really, like people get such so caught up in that. Oh, he's ranked number fourteen, and this guy is ranked number two. How are they making that happen? It's like if it's if it's a good fight, make it happen. Yeah, like, definitely. If, it, if it's a good yeah. point, make it happen. These rankings that you were talking about earlier are very, very dodgy. There's, they're, 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 like if you if you were trying to make rankings yourself, I doubt they'd be the same as uh, they'd, they'd be the same in any division. So uh, very dodgy the rankings are. I don't really give a shit about the rankings. I want to see good fights and I want to see competitive fights and I want to see squash matches either. People maybe think oh, 14 against two is a squash match, but a lot of the time it isn't. A lot of the time it's a, it can be a good style matchup. Obviously, styles make fights as well. So. I wouldn't be worried about the rankings. What would I want for wish for next year though? Yeah, Connor fighting is I think important for for MMA. Um, casual fans interested in it with Ronda unlikely to come back as well. I think it's more important. Um, I'd like to see John Jones come back as well and not fail the drug test next year. Yeah. Um, if it, he's probably going to be banned and not be able to, but. Yeah, so that's probably very wishful thinking. But third one, um, loads of good shows in Ireland because going to a show in Ireland is obviously really it's the best. Bring him a metal Limerick as well. Let's put on a show in Limerick. Come on, let's do it. No way. Yeah, do it. Curious okay. uh, Blouse has said as well. Goose fat for Rosh Buds at Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna this year. We're gonna I'm gonna make a bit of duck. Get all the fat out of it, and then use that to roast the swads in. So that's going to be absolutely delicious. Um, beautiful. Yeah, Evan Keevney. Felder recently called for a fight with Justin Gaethje. Thoughts on that matchup? I yeah, I think that actually makes sense. Um, yeah, if they, if they they both want both wanted, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. Okay. Last question here from Johnny Bourne at MMA Takeover. He says, "Rate all of these things, these festive goods, out of ten. Eggnog." Horrendous. Uh, is ten good or bad? Ten is good. Zero is bad. Yeah, zero. I'm gonna rate it uh, one. Uh, you log. Uh, very low. One. Oh, you're gonna go with one as well. Uh, turkey giblet gravy. I don't know if I've ever had that. And is that not just gravy from like the the turkey juices? Oh, maybe. Um. Mm. That's pretty good. I'd say six. I'm going to go with ten for that one. Brandy butter. That sounds disgusting. I'm going to go with a zero for that one. Uh, mm, yeah, it doesn't sound very nice. Go go with zero there. Schaller, S-H-L-O-E-R. The drink he's at. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? No, I don't know what that is. I'm going to go to five for that down the middle. Uh, yeah, it could be anything. I'll go five as well. Brussels sprouts. Oh, horrendous. A zero. Minus, minus five. I like Brussels sprouts. I'm going to go with a solid seven for Brussels sprouts. Absolutely disgusting. And it lingers in the kitchen as well. It's mm. What about Brussels sprouts with a bit of bit of, bit of bacon, bacon bits with them? Mm. Bacon by mixing it with that crap. Delicious. Mulled wine. It, it, see, if you think about it, isn't all wine mulled? 
I don't even know what Muldwine is, to be honest. If you think about it, you missed my joke. If you think about it, if you mull over. That is... Who'd you rub that off of? That's a quality joke, I must say. That, that's the first one everyone listening to this podcast will tell their fucking family when they, when they stop listening. That's a fact. I actually like normal wine. I'm, I'll, I'll drink a white wine if I'm at a push. If uh, if there's a late night session going on, there's there's no beer handy. But I wouldn't be a big red red wine fan or or anything like that. Um, mulled wine. I'm not exactly sure what mulled wine is. Me neither. Uh, so I'll go. It's definitely better than eggnog and all that and Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. So four, five. I, five. I, five. I got five as well. Cranberry sauce is definitely a zero for me. Fucking disgusting. Uh, I'll give it a two. It's nicer than a couple of the things I I, w- I wouldn't be making it though, or having it. But I've tasted it before. It's grand. It's grand, but it's, it's unremarkable. Parsnips zero. No, no, I, I, parsnips don't really taste like anything, so I give them like a solid four or five. I just eat them for a bit of sustenance. So they'd be Yeah, uh, and last one, trifle. Oh, maybe three. See, I'm not, like, I'm not into any of this Christmas stuff. I'm not even not even a big fan of Christmas pudding, really, to be honest. I'm not either. Uh, a trifle, if it's a fruit trifle, it's a zero for me, because that's disgusting. But if there's no fruit in it, I think that's a solid six or seven. I like non-fruit trifle. See, if all this stuff was so good, I wouldn't just eat it at Christmas. I'd eat it whenever. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, limit myself to the December period or whatever. I, if, if all this stuff was so good, it would be a year-round thing. Yeah, that 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 is fair enough. But like, you have to you have to go all out as well for Christmas. Actually, we got this thing inside an Aldi the other day for Christmas dessert. It's like a it's um a, a ice cream cake with profiteroles on top of it. You take it out for three hours and you let it melt down a bit and then eat it. Looks absolutely delicious. Actually, have you ever had that chocolate fudge pudding uh, from Marks and Spencer's that you cook for like fifteen minutes? It's like oh, it's like a brownie thing. <clears throat> brownie. I think, I think maybe once years ago. I I don't I don't think there is a Marks and Spencer's in Limerick, is there? Is there? I think there's a like Cork and Dublin. Maybe I don't know. Don't know. You should you should know. <laughs> no, I, I don't, really. don't really know. Don't really know. All right, that's it. Thanks everyone for tuning in today and all year. It's been a it's been a pretty good year for us. Um, spread the word of the podcast. Tell everyone about it. Uh, and uh, yeah, well here's the another... great five star on uh, iTunes yes. if you're yeah. bored. Christmas and you're sitting down, nothing to do. Go uh, rate us and leave a review or share the podcast, all that stuff, all that good stuff. Yeah, indeed, 100%. Yeah, and obviously, you can contact us at Severe and May Pod, Severe and May Podcast at gmail.com. Follow Graham at Severe and May Me at Severe and May Pod. Uh, any, any last minute plans for Christmas, Graham? No, you're, I know we've discussed it for the last 20 minutes. But um, just do a lot of drinking, I suppose, and that's what we do every year around Christmas. It seems uh, fucking stupid. Else and uh, there's, there's always a session going. So living up to the living up to the stereotypes. How fucking dare you? You you are the sort of person who gives Ireland a fucking bad name. You're a disgrace, Graham. You're worse than Ian McGrath. <laughs> well, that's not say things we can't take back. I, I take I take that back. I immediately take that back. You're not as bad as Ian McGrath. No one's as bad as Ian McGrath. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's be honest All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Talking prayers to Neil McGrath to see if he hopefully he'll survive <laughs> period the festive period. Use the hashtag hashtag pray for Neil. So over the Christmas period, hopefully he lives. Heavy fuel. They look up the lyrics for heavy fuel by Dire Straits, and that's the first paragraph is basically like Neil. Nobody's gonna do that. Let's be honest. Actually, hold on. You say something there while I'll find the lyrics. Hi everyone, this is Sean Sheehan here. Yeah, let us know actually as well. 
who you think your uh, fighter of the year, your fight of the year, and I'll be send us in tweets because I'll be doing up that soon and I need some ideas. Uh, so yeah, send, send us in them. Last time I was sober, man, I felt bad. Worst hangover that I ever had. It took six hamburgers and scotch all night, nicotine for breakfast just to put me right. That did Niall write that, like, or is that that's an actual song? Isn't it? Uh, this is about Niall's life. Uh, yeah. it's Mark Knopfler's uh, prophet he can see into the future. He is Juliet. The dice was loaded from the stars, and I bet that you exploded in my heart. Did not forget, I forget the movie Ooh. song. And you're gonna realize it was just that the time was wrong. Juliet can't beat a bit of Dark Threats. Very good. Very good. All right, we've <laughs> we're gone we're gone temporarily insane here, so we better we're go. And we're talking about Dire Straits. Listen to Telegraph Road by Dire Straits if you've never heard it before. It's actually by Mark Knopfler by himself, but there's uh, it's in all the Dire Straits collections. Top R- Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits is the best song ever written. So yeah, listen to that as well. But yeah, that's it. Thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Happy New Year. Happy Merry Christmas. We'll be back in two weeks around the 1st of January. So check that out. Spread the word before that. But before we go, here's the inspirational quote for the week. You ever get real close to the mirror? Try to look into your vessel and see the pilot. We'll see you next week, but not actually next week, the week after.